so if traffic moves around, he was in the other lane, going the opposite direction. We could go by and see this horrible tragedy. We get home about two o'clock in the morning. Bruiser hands me five dollars for the night. And I'm thinking to myself, I've got to get up now at seven in the morning to go to work. I've just been to Louisville, Kentucky, managed some people I don't really manage. I was almost hung. I was almost beat to death by a man with a knife stick. I was almost beaten up by Johnny Valentine. I saw this horrendous accident where a man was alive and on fire for five dollars. <laughs> and all I could think of is, this is for me. <laughs> when can I go do this again? <laughs> and that's how I started. That was my first day in the business. Oh my God. And uh, from then on, I've been in the business. And I went to work, and the guy at the car dealership, after a couple of weeks, found out what I was doing. And he said, how could you be in such a degrading profession? And I said, degrading profession? You're a car dealer. <laughs> See, when these people come through the doors, you take those poor bastards and drop them to their knees. All we're doing is entertaining people. And one thing people got to remember, everybody said, oh, that's all fake. Isn't wrestling fake? We never said it was real. You said it was fake. Yeah. Before you see Roseanne's show on TV, they don't announce that her and Goodman aren't married. Yeah. It's just a show. It's just a television show. So that, that was it. I was hooked. I was not in the business. The guy told me he didn't want me working there. It was a dishonorable profession. I said, what do you mean? You cheat people. You lie to them about your cars. I chased them around the desk. They fired me. Uh, I went home and told Bruiser I don't have a part-time job, a regular job anymore. This is what I'm going to do full-time. And I, that's how I started full time. And I didn't make a whole lot more than I made at the Ford dealership. He, he wasn't a, a very good payoff guy. <laughs> he, he would never give you 50 bucks, he'd give you 45. <laughs> he'd never give you 100, he'd give you 90. He'd give you 190, not 200. So and I figured every time you save 10 bucks on a guy over a year, he made pretty good money. Yeah, I suppose. So, and that's how I started. Huh. What about uh, any memories from when just initially being around at selling cokes and, and and all that. Any any uh, stories from there? Any any uh, uh, recollections? I remember the sheik, you know, he didn't speak English, he was from Beirut and he yeah. threw fire and it, he really terrified people. He he really he was an Arab and he really was scary. And I'd had my cokes and we knew each other and he'd chase me sometimes down the aisle and oh, it was very exciting. I just I, I didn't know what he I do if he if he caught me but he, he, wouldn't, he, he wouldn't catch me but he he got the people all excited, thinking that he was going to catch me and hurt this poor kid selling cokes. And I can remember that, and I can remember sneaking down the dressing rooms and listening to him talk. You know, so I knew it wasn't real from the beginning. Yeah. I, I, I've been in a fight. Yeah. I know fights last about 20 seconds. They don't last an hour. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, you just don't want... you never seen Dick turn the referee around, and two guys from the Bears come out, clothesline a guy, give the other guy the football, spike yeah. it. Monday night at the Chase Park Plaza Hotel. 
and prayers. And uh, they served dinner during the matches. And it was from the, the, the dining room there. All the matches were in little disqualifications. They were all finishes. And it was Louis Faz and those kind of uh, wrestling in those days. And this was in the late 60s. And uh, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And there was some place I remember in Pittsburgh, you could only get 20 people to come to TV, so they had a backdrop curtain with faces drawn on it. And they dimmed the lights, so it looked like a place was full of 50 people. <laughs> Which was a lot, I guess, for them. And at the Armory in Indianapolis, sometimes Bruiser would take, Bruiser and Snyder became the promoters there then. And uh, they would take like six matches on a Tuesday night. Well, in those days, you didn't start till 8.30 at night. So you got maybe 75 guys in the back there for six tapes, and you got 20 fans out there. So after about the first two hours of taping, everybody's gone home. So he just had the boys get dressed in their clothes and go sit in the stands. So it looked like a packed place. There only was one bleacher, and only had one camera, and it looked like there was 100 people there. But there were the boys just waiting to wrestle. And then half the guys would fall asleep, and then he'd, he'd take this music from the uh, Bears game, and he'd put it in underneath. And it sounded like a thousand, fifty thousand people were cheering. You know, you had four guys in sleep in the front row, nine oh, guys back there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was how TV was done at television studios. And uh, they just they never shot anything from the arenas that I could remember. It was always done uh, in a TV studio. Or armies, they made tapes. But, uh, in, the, in the place where they had dinner, did that, did that ever interfere with... I mean, did, did a match, the, the match never spilled out of the ring, did it? Um, no, they didn't have, they didn't, in, in, in those days, you didn't bang a guy's head into yeah. a guy's bowl of soup. Yeah. You didn't power bomb a guy yeah. through a table. Exactly. You know? People sat there, and they had the, one of the announcers was the uh, ring announcer, Mickey Graziolo, Joe's brother. And he had huge, huge head of hair, where Joe has no hair. Yeah. And uh, Mickey was a major d uh, restaurant there in St. Louis. And a guy named George Abel was the uh, ring a, a commentator. And just had one commentator, no color man, nothing. And he would bring a guy down and do an interview on the floor. But no, there was, a, there was the heels and the baby faces, and there was heat. People would yell and scream, but no one threw anything. Uh, no one got out of their chairs and tried to fight anybody or anything. The rest, the fight never spilled out into the floor. Matter of fact, St. Louis never used interviews. They'd maybe do one in a three-week program going into the oh. show. Maybe one interview in three weeks and be a baby face. Sam just didn't like heat. So, I, I also was the first manager ever to be used in St. Louis in the AW, in NWA hmm. in 1968, I think. And uh, then, we worked the, then you worked your match at the Keel Auditorium, which was downtown. But the, it was different. There were people all dressed up, and the women had furs on. And you know, I remember the army where the women would. Uh, well, they didn't give them checks at Denny's. They just whipped them in front of their dress and knew what they had. Yeah. You had the eggs. You had the chicken. You yeah. had the chili. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I used to see people come there and take the coin purses and just pour them on the counter and count the change out and buy enough tickets to get here. I don't know how they got home. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, you know, in those days, ringside was three bucks. General Mission was a buck, buck and a half, and, and Grandstand was two dollars. Wow. So, and I remember the promotion would always tell you, they'd tell you if the house was ten grand, they'd tell you, if the house was eight grand, they'd tell you it was ten to make you feel good. Wow. And they'd pay on six. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way you could ever count a house. 